0: yeah (laughs) oh
1: yeah all right so let's get this thing started
2: welcome to the bitcoin podcast this show is intended for information purposes only but we're not experts we're just two guys within the bitcoin community bitcoin is an experiment in the separation of money and state You'll be surprised how many will support that. And adoption is the only thing that matters.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Bitcoin Podcast. I am your first host, Marcello.
0: And I am host number two, D.
2: Once again, this is Corey. I'm back. Welcome back. Yeah. Feels good to be back. Welcome back, welcome back. We're
1: going to talk about Bitcoin, the blockchain, and the future of the financial world. We're all back in the studio.
0: Studio.
1: So uh, I guess we should talk about uh, how the eighth largest bank in the world is uh, experimenting with its own cryptocurrency. Yep. What does everyone think about that? Which bank is that? Citibank. Citibank. And they're developing at least three of their own based on the same principle as Bitcoin. From what I read,
0: they're developing three blockchains and one currency to run uh, on the three blockchains. I think that's what they're doing. Um, how do I feel about it? Uh, good luck. I think it boils down to what we talked about in earlier episodes about um, Closed networks versus open networks, that's going to be Citibank's network. You have to play by Citibank's rule. But on the Bitcoin blockchain, you play by the Bitcoin blockchain's rules.
1: So so you welcome the opportunity for anyone to take advantage of the blockchain?
0: Well, yeah, competition is great. Uh, capitalism lives and breathes on competition. So
1: people are going to make their own blockchains, and the best will win. I think they're scared. I think they want so desperately to see a future uh, with themselves in it and I'm sure they recognize that their position at the top is being disrupted and uh, every one of them is just one disruptive coding event away from irrelevance. I think they're just being desperate. What do you think, Louis
2: I think it's inevitable. These guys are going to you know, it's more of a, them using the technology to make their system better as opposed to trying to compete with Bitcoin. They're just trying to find a way to communicate amongst themselves in a more efficient way because it's, it's the ultimate time stamping I mean, exactly what banking is. Yeah. So it's just a way for them to do their back end in a better way. Because even the, the, the top guys in Visa and stuff like that have said that if Bitcoin was around when the banking industry was invented then it would, would have been built on a blockchain technology. And so now they're just kind of playing with that trying to make their system better as opposed to fighting Bitcoin.
0: But... Why are they all going to compete with each other? That doesn't make any sense to me.
2: They're not going to compete with each other. They're still, they're still the, the, the banking industry. They're still going to do the same thing, but like the way the back end of how the banking industry works will be more efficient. It won't be open source and easy to do things and easy to move monies you know, internationally with any, any, you know, amongst anyone like Bitcoin is. Bitcoin's like cash. Right, Where you can just give cash to anyone in the world really quickly. Whereas the banking industry is still the banking industry. You have to go through them if you want to give money that you store in the banking industry to someone else. Hmm. They're just trying to make their their methods more efficient. Which it's not, I mean, it'll be better, but it won't be Bitcoin.
0: Do you think that they're testing these methods so that when they do actually get a taste of that Bitcoin blockchain, that sweet nectar... They wanna make sure they do it right and don't mess up anything.
2: Yeah. It's an iterative process. You start with something, give it a shot, give a trial run, something's wrong, fix it, Et cetera. That's Lean that's kind of the beauty of a of a of a programmable currency is that you can you can do something like that.
1: Well they're gonna be uh, discussing the blockchain tech potential at uh what is it, Consensus two thousand fifteen? Yup. So uh, that's pretty big. So they're actually going to
0: come out from hiding. To, uh, yeah. yeah. I honestly think the blockchain technology PR spin is like code for them saying, we're going to be using the Bitcoin blockchain. man. Nah. I think it's code. Public code. Because they can't, after spending so long just shitting on Bitcoin, they can't just up and say, oh yeah, we were, we were wrong. It's actually kind of cool. We're going to use it. So they got to like. It'd be in their benefit if they did.
2: They are just like, you know what? You're wrong. This stuff is great. It's going to work and we're going to, we're going to work with it. People would be well, way more adapted to try and not be you know, anti-bank and more about their bank. than If they're like, you know what? This is awesome and we should use it and it's the best technology ever. So we're going to implement it. Everyone would be like, yeah, you're right, bank. We're going to use you as opposed to like, ah, screw all the banks.
0: It's like they're scared of losing money. And it's weird because they have so much. They have like infinite money, and they're just like, "Oh, I'm so scared. No risk. Can't take a risk." Meanwhile, yeah, but you got to remember that
2: it's that doing implementing something like this and changing the entire infrastructure of the banking industry is incredibly complicated. I mean, the banking industry is this huge titan built on like steampunked hardware. It's you know, like the problem with a lot of the back end is that all of the code and all of the way things move around is still built on ancient languages like assembler, And so you don't have experts in there anymore. And it's hard for them to implement new features because they have to interface with this old ancient code. And doing it, doing something like changing the entire infrastructure of the, of the banking industry is going to take a long time and it's going to be incredibly difficult. Whereas Bitcoin is already ready. It's just, you know, okay, it works. I mean, once we get the expansion issues, scalability issues sorted out, which are you know probably on the horizon. Wait, what did you say, Jello?
1: Oh, well, like Corey said, like, it's, it's ready to go. We just need mass adoption. We just need people to understand it and use it. It's ready to go. It's right there. Yeah,
0: it is. It's, uh, the problem, though, with mass adoption is it's just still not easy enough to get it, I don't think you have to have a bank account to get Bitcoin. I think unless you do cash, but that's shady. Like Corey, do you want to meet some random dude in Sao Paulo and give him some USD and him give you Bitcoin? Hell no.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't mind. Depending okay. on the quantity, I'm not going to give him a, a ten thousand dollars. I'll be like, I take it. Like right I, I have two hundred. So Who was the last person you met sit sitting in have a bank account?
0: The last person I met who didn't have a bank account?
1: Uh, over the age of 18. If you're over the age of 18 and you don't have some kind of financial something-something set up, you lose. Well, here in well, America. You're
2: gonna, even kids, because you know they're, they're a generation of the internet, so they're going to have ways to pay for things on the internet, which is right now the Visa network and PayPal. And so in order to do that, they have a bank account and they put and the, the money they earn account. from their, you know, hostessing jobs and washing cars and shit and mowing lawns and putting their bank account and they buy crap on Amazon.
0: Yeah. Actually, this is what I'm fearful of, is that before Bitcoin gets ubiquitous and we have mass adoption, people will be so stubborn and not educate themselves and there's going to be a permissioned blockchain and a permissionless blockchain and people are going to naturally flow to the banks. That's just what they're going to do. Because banks can easily start up a cur- currency and mine between the banks, that that'd be no thing. That'd be easy for them.
2: Yeah, but so then, you think- a, then you have a centralization problem.
0: I have a what problem?
2: A centralization problem.
0: Yeah, but if you say centralization to an average citizen on the street, what what are they going to think? Well, they're not okay, going to well, think. Well, in the future,
2: they're going to think something because it'll be it'll be something they know about, just like. And you know, In the past, no one understood what an email was or the internet, but now you say internet and it's like, well, of course.
0: You can say open source or closed source and nobody... I bet you if you walk up to a person, look at their smartphone and ask them, hey, is the OS on that open or closed source? What are they going to say? What are you talking about? rule's
1: going to come out of their mouth. Yep. <laughs> look, the analogy of the, of the email of money, look, so Citibank can come out with their Rocket mail, their Netscape mail, their... They're Y-mail, but Bitcoin is the Gmail. If you have an email address in 2015, you have a Gmail. You're not using any of the other email addresses. So I feel like all these copycat coins... Who's going to use Citibank coin and not use Bitcoin? Who's going to do that? And if you are using that, how long is that going to last?
2: Even if they did, they're limited in what they can do. So... Okay, well, let's say, let's say they make up their own coin. And then when you get a bank account, you, then you can use that money to use with other Citibank services or whatever it is. And then you're like, all right, well, I got this money at Citibank and I want to send it over to my friend across the country, to a different country. You're yes. like, well, you know, we're going to charge you for that one. And you're like, well, why would you charge me for that one? Bitcoin doesn't do that. And they're like, well, we're not Bitcoin, we're Citibank coin. You're like, well, okay, give me my money. I'm going to put it on Bitcoin and I'm going to send my money over there because that's easier.
0: Yeah, true that. I'm going to stop arguing for Citibank.
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's not. Side the side are you on? Demo's advocate. <laughs>
0: you fucking traitor. Whose side are you on? No, I'm just a little bit like... I've seen so many movies with, where banks are like just this ominous force to the unfuckwithable force of nature that it's like... There's no telling what's gonna happen it's like bitcoin needs to be adopted massively really stark and quickly or the banks are just gonna like siphon into the system and just start
2: but they can't do anything the banks can't do anything I mean, they shut down all the other miners in the world
0: they're gonna assassinate people bro I've seen it happen in movies
1: <laughs> alright well there's there's another flip side <laughs> uh How about the people that can't get a national scoring system they don't have a credit score and a bank account, and they're subject to aggressive predatory lending practices like you know some of the countries like Afghanistan and other developing countries. So what do they do?
0: I do believe you are talking about the unbanked or the underbanked is that correct cello
1: what's an underbank
0: underbanked like there's not enough banking services.
1: No, uh, that's not true. Because there can be excessive fees. There can be um, the uh, abusive penalties when you don't pay something else. Because there's no system in place. Uh, loan flipping, fraud, forced arbitration. You know they don't have these practices set in motion.
0: So the financial services infrastructure is very poor. Is what you're saying?
1: There's a lot of steering and targeting in these developing countries, which Bitcoin could solve. But you know. Um.
0: Yes, very true. It can solve. I think there's people working on these things, and it's going to be time. Like it's all just a matter of time. Um, but I think you are talking about the unbanked um, places, like Afghanistan, uh, really minute places in Asia, maybe India, where banking is like me. Is that is that what you're talking about?
1: Yeah. So, should we focus more on the U.S. or should we focus more on these countries that have limitations uh, around their border? I mean, what's more important for mass adoption?
2: Well, it's it's what's where is Bitcoin most useful, and it's in these places that we're talking about. Like currently, right now, Bitcoin is most useful for these for these developing countries who don't have a good infrastructure, or what infrastructure is there is corrupt and bad. So they can. Emerging
0: markets, yeah. Emerging markets, I think, is what um, investors call them. Um, And you're right, because most of these places run on like a cash-based system, and like word of mouth and barter and things like that. And I think Bitcoin is going to have much more of an influence or an impact on those places before it does the U.S. Because we're spoiled here; we have everything. I can get a credit card right now if I want to. Take me what five minutes to fill out the app, boom. So it's like Bitcoin's going to benefit places like that most.
2: But the thing that's hard
0: about what about Bitcoin, a way to receive money? What do you mean? Like for them?
2: Like a like infrastructure for receiving money. Say you know you you have this service and you can broadcast it out, but you don't have a reliable way for people to pay you for that service.
0: The Bitcoin superhero swoops in and gives you your money.
2: Yeah, and so, and so say you, know, you go through a corrupt banking infrastructure where people send money to your country and it doesn't really get to you ever because someone along the way is like, eh, we never got it, sorry, or like, we're going to tax the hell out of it so you get 10% of it, and et cetera, and these places exist. Yep. What do you do? To Wanda, you just Paris, you're just disenfranchised. Yeah, exactly. You're disenfranchised. You have to think of outside the box. And now we've developed this tool, you, can, you know, that people can use to do what they want to do and get paid for it.
0: You know what I think, guys?
1: What's up?
0: We need to go global. We need to start learning different languages. We need the Bitcoin podcast global. It already global, worldwide. Like, why, no Americans on our, on our show. That's true. <laughs> That's true. We need more global. To, go, let's make up a word Glo- global, global Just, uh, ability. Yeah. We need to globalize. That's a word
1: already. I think we focus so much on it because uh, here in the US, banks don't want change. So it's easier for developing countries to adapt Bitcoin because they have unstable governments and small banking infrastructures. So I think it's exciting because there's less resistance there. All they need to do is just tell people about it. And, you know, they don't have these big corporations blocking them the way they do in the U.S.
0: Yep. I think big old super Andreas Antonopoulos said the cost of entry to Bitcoin is a smartphone and sometimes not even a smartphone. Yeah. So you, everyone's you just got one of those. something
2: as SMS. As long as you have text messaging,
1: you can do it. Well: Well guess what, guys?: What's up, bro Instead of just talking about it, let's get someone on the show that can give us a first-hand account of what's going on. over what? there. What? Who are you talking about? I'm talking about Foreststa.: Foresta.: OK. She's, okay. A, she's an Afghan girl who was born and raised in Iran from an Afghan parent, moved to Afghanistan after the fall of the Taliban, studied in Germany, lives in New York. She's been all over. Talk about cultured. Yeah, jeez, Louise. She's got. Uh, she was a TED Talk speaker. She's got like master's degrees, and um, she's uh, a president and founder of Code to Inspire, and she's doing work. So let's get into that. So, uh, leader, educator, problem builder, coder, uh, empowering women in Afghanistan by teaching them how to code to find employment as programmers. Our guest today is a pioneer in using Bitcoin as a payment system in developing countries. So, uh, first off, congrats thus far. You're almost there there at 5,000. You're right at the cusp in your Indiegogo campaign to improve economic and educational standards for women in Afghanistan. And I have no doubts that you guys are going to reach your goal. Uh, Do you feel that advocating the use of Bitcoin is catching any traction in Afghanistan and just tell us a little bit about what the pulse of Bitcoin is like in Afghanistan, for those that don't know.
3: Sure. Um, so, um, actually, uh, yes, right now, Code to Inspire, and with my former foundation, I can say that we were the first people who talked about Bitcoin and digital currency in Afghanistan. Um, um, there are a lot of there are few people who know about the concept of digital currency, so what we're going to do with Code to Inspire is but first, we want to be an advocate of using cryptocurrency and educate people because we think that it's very important and, and Bitcoin is a very empowering tool and it, it's a global payment for people who are really suffering in countries like Afghanistan that are mainly unbanked and um, the PayPal is on support in Afghanistan and the Western Union and transactions using wire um, wire transactions using banks is really difficult. So I think that uh, it can be a very huge um, improvement in the lives of those people who are really suffering from this um, financial situations. So we are going to teach our girls in our center how they can use Bitcoin, and starting from creating a wallet, how they can secure it. And the next step is that uh, when they find a job online, if they want to get paid online, they can choose Bitcoin as a payment um, a way to, to get their payments.
1: So, these women in the system, or in the centers, excuse me, do they, are they receptive to Bitcoin? Do they under, have like a preconceived knowledge of what it is before they participate in the program?
3: Uh, not really. So, um, we are going to teach them first how they can use Bitcoin. Um, and so, it's, it's inside the curriculum. So, we have our own curriculum for the goal. So, one of the curriculum is digital currency as an example of Bitcoin. So our mentors are going to teach them from the very early step how they can make a wallet, how they can secure it, and they can make a transaction. And then after that, if they want to get paid, we prefer to select Bitcoin as a payment system.
0: That's that's amazing. I, I myself am an educator, and I find it really inspirational what you're doing. And um, not only have you taken on this monumental task of teaching code to women Afghanistan. Um, but from what I understand, is, um, the literacy level is pretty low for women in Afghanistan. So do you find it, like, doubly hard to not only teach how to code, but even also overcome the literacy rate?
3: Uh, correct, yes. There, um, the literacy rate in Afghanistan, especially for women, is really low. But um, we try to start from big cities who access more the education level for women. Uh, I'm from Herat originally, which is a city in west of Afghanistan, and we try to start the project in Herat. So um, there are a lot of uh, improvements, although there are a lot of situations in case of literacy for women, but on the other hand, there are a lot of good improvements in case of um, providing education for women in different levels. Um, so in this case, our targets are three different levels. So one is the girls who are currently studying in high school, than the girls who are studying in the computer science faculty and the girls who already graduate from computer science. And um, so it makes um, our life more easier to target that specific group of girls. Definitely for the girls who are in high school, because we are going to teach them how to code, um, that's um, why we try to find the girls who have an intermediate level of knowledge of English and um, computers. So, also on the other uh, hand, um, for example, in one of the schools, uh, one of the public schools in um, Herat that we did a project with them, they have like 4,000 girls in one school. And then in another school, they have around like 5,000. So, uh, with our code to inspire, we only want to cover 50 girls, which 40 includes the girls in high school, which I'm pretty sure that we can find that. Specific amount of the girls who would be interested and committed to be in our program, but also they have a, um, an intermediate knowledge of uh, computer and English. Uh, but also for the girls who are studying computer science or who graduated, they definitely have the strong background and um, the level of English uh, understanding and knowledge is also good.
0: Oh, okay. I see how it works. So that's so really they 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 have to have a firm grip on. Uh, the whole literacy before they even start with your uh, program. So
3: sure, yes.
0: Good deal. Um, so switching just a little bit, um, your current Indiegogo campaign uh, is that the only crowdfunding campaign that you've ever run?
3: Yes, um, we just started with the Indiegogo um, to reach out to twenty thousand. Which with that one, we can establish one programming center in Herod. Um, providing all the equipment, either it's hardware and the other equipment to equip the building and also providing the mentors. We do have four mentors in Afghanistan which they um, were my students when I was teaching in computer science faculty as a professor um, two years ago and they did a lot of projects so they can be our mentors to teach the students in our centers.
0: Sweet. We're going to put a link to your campaign as well um, on our site and do you plan on running a lighthouse campaign, like to to back it up, reinforce it?
3: Oh, uh, we, we we definitely try to think about different ways to uh, raise funds as well, because this is just like one part of our project. Mm-hmm. But definitely, yes, we are thinking about the next step. Good
0: deal. Lighthouse is an awesome place to go.
1: That's a free advertisement. For sure. Them. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, now that we've uh, talked a little bit about the, the initiatives and our audience has a, a better idea of, of kind of what you do, um, can, you, can you tell us a bit about how Bitcoin was introduced to you and how quickly did you accept it as something to put your time and your effort into understanding to grow all these fantastic ideas?
3: Sure. Um, before Code to Aspire, I co-founded another foundation, which oh, named Women's Annex Foundation, but they just renamed it to Digital Citizen Fund. So with that foundation, what we were doing, we built 11 computer media labs in high schools in Afghanistan for girls. Um, our mission was that the girls, they learn how to use social media, like Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, and they write blogs. Um, for blogging part, for the content that they were providing for us, we paid them. We used to pay them in dollar, but we faced a lot of issues sending money to Afghanistan. Um, again, talking about um, the girls, the majority of them, they were underage to have a bank account, but even if they um, were eligible to have a bank account, usually a lot of people in Afghanistan, they don't have a bank account. We couldn't send their money to PayPal. Um, and um Western Union, forget about it, the fee for transaction was a lot, um, and also the using um, through bank also was a big issue for us. So what we used to do is we send a bucket of money to my friend in Afghanistan and she used to go and see the clothes in person and give them with cash which makes also security issues for her if somebody understands that she's carrying a certain amount of money with herself. Mm -hmm. That's why we thought about how we can find a better way that we can enable people and send instantly without really that costly fees to to the girls. So that's how in February 2014 we understand and we came to know about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general. And... um, we started to uh, thinking we can use this as uh, as, as a payment system. So uh, that how that's how we started sending Bitcoin to our girls uh, in Afghanistan in the schools that we have uh, for writing the blogs. And um, uh, it was um, a little bit challenging for the first, but also exciting because um, all the girls they were excited to have something that they feel they own it and they can control it. Because um, it's also difficult if sometimes it happens for us that when we send the money to the girls, the family took over the money. Um, so we don't want them to be confiscated by a family member or anybody else. So that was a good way that they can have something that they feel the ownership and they can control it. But also on the other hand, um, that's seven or eight percent of um fees that they charge, for example, Western Union or other um, transaction systems, it really makes a big difference in the lives of people in in, in developing countries or in countries like Afghanistan. I mean, with $5 or uh, something like that, it really can um, feed a family um, for a day or it can really be useful. So um, also, it's very important that uh, Bitcoin as a global payment system can save a lot of um, uh, money in case of uh, transactions or, for, or the fees for people who really um, struggling in, in their lives um, living in a country who majority of them they access a very low financial situation
1: yeah that's, that's something that we don't think about is the transaction fees that's taking money straight out of their pocket and they can feed a family of four for so much less than people in the US and you guys initiated that in, in early 2014 uh back in the early infancy of Bitcoin. So I think that's just remarkable. I mean, it's literally saving lives.
3: But I mean, um, Bitcoin is really fascinating for me. um, And and I really believe that um, sooner or later, it definitely will will be more uh, expanded in different countries. And it's really about uh, changing the lives of people and, helping people to uh, join the global economy. But uh, although, unfortunately, there are some infrastructure issues uh, in Afghanistan, um, which make it a little bit difficult for people who have Bitcoin to use their Bitcoin in, in, a, in a proper way. For example, um, uh, there is no exchange platform that people can exchange their Bitcoin to Afghani, the fiat currency, uh, which is a little bit difficult because sometimes people want to have the cash um so um this is one of the issues about um Bitcoin in Afghanistan to to have like to exchange it in Afghanistan. And also mm-hmm. the other issue is that um for example here I, I mean, there are a lot of um online um, shops like Overstock or Gif that they accept Bitcoin and you can order anything you want and you can have it uh, right in front of your door but uh, in Afghanistan again it's infrastructure issues where not A lot of places, not the majority of places, they have a shipping billing address. So it makes it a little bit difficult if you want to spend your Bitcoin online. Although you can buy software books or anything not tangible, but if it's the case of like buying a computer or anything you want, it makes it a little bit difficult for you to spend your Bitcoin online. So there are certain challenges which we are thinking about how we can... um, solve um, these challenges with one option that we did is that um, our users can exchange their Bitcoin with um, mobile credit cards, so they can buy mobile minutes with their Bitcoin. Um, also, they can buy Skype credit cards. Um, in case of um, shipping and billing address, um, uh, we try to reach out companies, um, for example, over stock to see if they can... If they want to build like a local storage in one of the cities and then uh, those who have Bitcoin, they purchase their stuff from overstock and then they ship it to their storage space and they can go and pick it up. So in this way, we really can help them to spend their Bitcoin and, and, and have the, the things that they want in case of purchasing um and materials online.
0: Hmm, a lot of use cases, a lot of use cases for Bitcoin in Afghanistan. The... How hard do you think it would be, just to speculate here, to get um, Afghani's to close close the loop? I mean, Bitcoin in itself has value. Uh, if it could be convinced that it doesn't even necessarily need to be exchanged, it it is money. That would be a whole another hurdle. Don't you think?
3: You are right. Um, we were thinking about also to go and talk with local shops, for example, because our target is more technology and and um, technology, so we thought that um, you can go and talk to, uh, like, electronic shops, those who sell, like, uh, gadgets like mobile, tablet, or very simple electronic um, tools uh, that if uh, they access Bitcoin. So in this case, we try to, in, to not only educate people, but also we try to put Bitcoin in the market, so people go and, like, buy stuff, they sell stuff with Bitcoin. So this is also one of our... Mission um, um, that we try to go and talk to local shops in case if they want to accept Bitcoin um, to purchase anything they want, uh, mainly electronic issues. Uh, but uh, definitely, I think that there would be a lot of challenges uh, in front of uh, implementing cryptocurrency in any way in Afghanistan. And I think it's not, I think, it's not because of the cryptocurrency, but also, on the other hand, it's about the infrastructure issues in Afghanistan that there are a lot of. Main that um, we have to think about how we can solve them to reach our goal by spreading the message of like using cryptocurrency and implementing it. Although there are, um, there's a project that calls BitPaces, so that they're really widely used in Kenya, which I think that we can use that as a pilot project in Afghanistan. Why? Because they use mobile, uh, like mPesa, the mobile money, and then they try to um, convert into current, in, the, in Bitcoin. So uh, in Afghanistan, we do have mPesa concept, and there are three or four majority of telecommunication companies that they offer mobile banking. So I think that would be one way to see how we can merge uh, that with this mobile banking, because also. 80% of people in Afghanistan they access a mobile, so they access phone, and 80% of women either directly or uh, either they own it or they access it through a family member. They have access to mobile, so I think that with mobile, that would be a very um, huge step to think about how we can implement or make the more approachable for people in Afghanistan.
1: So with all these, uh, you know, huge steps being implemented. Do you feel that mass adoption
3: is plausible? Um, um, Honestly, I don't think right now it would be. It takes a lot of time, I guess. But um, we can start from a very small community maybe because also in Afghanistan, during these 10 years after the Taliban regime collapsed, we have a very um, impressive progress in case of IT. Um, And that's because uh, we just started from zero, to the high-end technology um, brands and, and, and situations, so that's how it makes Afghanistan a little bit more step ahead, um, because um and we have a lot of good improvements. I guess that like it takes time. Uh, I don't know how many years, but I I'm yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, that at least people can uh, embrace it and use it in a way that. Um, it makes their lives more easier. How they accept and embrace mobile banking in Afghanistan, which people use that.
0: Amazing. It's, it's really amazing what you're doing over there. Very inspirational. And just one last question for you. We ask it to all of our guests. Um, we just would like to know that in 10 words or less, how would you describe Bitcoin?
3: Um, Bitcoin is a digital citizen of the world. Um, Because it doesn't think about uh, geographical boundaries and people. It's just a very empowering tool to empower people.
0: Nice. Thank you. I'm going to take the first bit of that. A digital citizen of the world. I like that. I like that. (laughs) Everybody says something different, which is why we like Bitcoin so much. It just uh, is a very broad-reaching technology. So, well, that... Uh about concludes it. Thank you very much, Feresta.
1: And we're going to yes. tell everybody about the cause. Uh, I think it's great that you offer a, just a safe and secure place where girls can learn. And uh, we're going to encourage people to contribute. We're going to contribute ourselves personally. And uh, we thank you for your time.
3: No worries. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me in your program. Thanks.
1: I hope you guys
0: enjoyed that interview with Feresta Ferro. She's a remarkable woman doing remarkable things, educating remarkable women to do remarkable things. Yeah. And Bitcoin is a big part of that. See, Bitcoin brings the world together. Bitcoin's like that Michael Jackson song. Which one was that in the 80s? It was we like,
1: are the world. Are the world. Yeah, we are the world.
0: That's all I can sing, I think, or we'll get sued.
1: I like, I like it when we have people on the show that are, man, just infecting people. Infecting is a bad word, but you know what I mean. Spreading it has negative. To content. So many people, man. You know, they, paying women directly for their work
0: is a big deal. It is big deal, and uh, literacy is a huge problem, which she's not only helping to tackle, um, but she's taking it a step further and helping those women understand the literacy of computers because computers have a language that they speak. Yeah. So. Yeah. Go for it, core?
2: Oh, I was going to say the internet is something that allows the world to become smaller for everyone. You can reach many more people much faster. And Bitcoin is a tool that allows you to get paid in the same way. And she's like, it's a good person doing good things. But she's able to globalize that in a much easier way than you could before.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, that was awesome. What are we talking about now? Let's
1: put some Uh, Corey. So while you were uh, on vacation, did you kind of hear about Litecoin's craziness and how it's affecting Bitcoin's price?
2: I would see random things about it on my phone, but I didn't get much internet access during the trip. So I saw it go up, and then when I got home, I saw it was back down, still up, relatively, but that's quite a large jump out of nowhere, and then a jump back down.
0: Yeah, it was exciting for me. I have some light cold, light cold, light coin holdings. You got it. And um, yeah, I did. That was hard. <laughs> Tongue twister. Um, and every morning I woke up, it was awesome. It was like, what's that uh, risky business day bow bow?
2: Oh, I every bet. Morning. I bet the whale club was just having having fits.
0: I thought about getting on TeamSpeak and just listen to him, but <laughs> I was just, like, no. you
2: know, going fly on the
1: wall. Some people lost a lot of money. Some people made a lot of money. So, what as- what aspect should we talk about? Should we talk about how it, it's related to Bitcoin's three month high? Should we ask, you know, why this happened? Um, I think Litecoin's its separate monster. I don't know if it's it, it's it's definitely
0: related to Bitcoin because when people trade Litecoin, they're trading it against Bitcoin. They're not trading it against the USD.
1: So, you think it was like a big Litecoin whale or like a bag holder that? sold his entire stack and traded it to Bitcoin? Um,
0: to cause the price to go down? Yes. I think...
1: Well, the stock market is down. So Chinese the traders, market. they're going to latch on to anything when the market... Oh, the Chinese stock market? Well, and if the market's rising, they're going to they're gonna change the, the landscape.
0: Yeah. I read an interesting article a while ago about Chinese um, habits and mannerisms. And I think what they tend to do is is hoard things. Hoarding is negative here in America. We have shows like "You're a hoarder. You're the worst human ever, and your family hates you." And like hoarding is extreme. Like, why do you have five thousand Q-tips in the corner over there? But um, in China, they hoard things that are beneficial, like food, and now they're hoarding gold. And I just think that whenever one thing is going down. They like to have a huge pile of another thing. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I think that's basically what was happening. The Chinese stock market was doing funny things. Um, and by funny things, I mean it was collapsing. <laughs> <laughs> so they put a halt to like people being able to sell off a lot of their stock. And I do believe with the money they were able to get, they either bought gold or they bought Cryptocurrency, but I do know gold went down as well, so I'm pretty sure they bought they bought the crypto, guys. Yeah,
2: that's why. And what? So why did it go back down? Just people just bought in with it, and then well, Bitcoin's price hasn't gone back
1: down. I think a lot of people short sold
0: Bitcoin. Well, yeah, that is true with Litecoin. Bitcoin's price hasn't gone back down. Bitcoin's steadily climbing up, um, and I do believe it's gonna do this for a while because. From what I do know, um, it's broken all the moving averages, 100-day, 20-day, all the big things for traders that like tell you when to buy, tell you when to sell. So, And Greece's whole thing, I'm tired of talking about Greece, but that's not even started yet. The ripple effects from that are going to happen.
1: It's, it's going to cause the price to explode. And once I the euro so. is worth the same as the dollar, people are, are going to convert USD to Bitcoin to euro trades, and then they're just going to profit. Yeah.
0: An interesting thing has happened. Like Early in the episode, we were talking about banks being scared. And right now in the U.S., there's some contention between establishments that invest and establishments that are banks. And uh, I do believe that those two are trying to split from one another. And what's cool is you're seeing a lot of investment strategy places like um, Wedbush Securities, I do believe, said the price is going to be at $400 within the year, which is pretty good growth. I mean, it started at, what, uh, 225 this year? Yeah. And so if it can keep holding its value, it's going up, baby.
2: No, people keep using it because people keep desiring it more, and the, the you know the consensus of what it's worth goes up. So,
1: very true. Yeah. And if it's stable, the, the trade then volume is eight million dollars more in Bitcoin.
0: Let's do some price predictions. Let's throw our price prediction hat
1: in the ring.
2: All
1: right, you go first, Cello. I think that they're going to experience another lull. I think it's going to go back up. I don't think it's reached it's the peak of its rise. Up. Well, I think there's gonna be. It hasn't reached its peak. Number. We want a number and a date. Uh, by Christ end tradition. of the week, I think it's gonna to get to eleven dollars. End of the week. <laughs> and Bitcoin we is gonna go. Oh, yeah. you're talking Litecoin. Now? Litecoin and well, it's everything this week. I think Litecoin is going to affect Bitcoin, so I think Litecoin's gonna go up to eleven dollars, and Bitcoin will go to three fifteen. In a week. In a week. By week's end.
0: Nice. Okay.
1: Core, you next.
2: We talking about what in a week? I don't yeah, think dude. much is going to happen in a week. I think nice end traditions. of the week. All right, end of the week. Litecoin is going to be. what is it, like
0: three fifty now. Uh, three eighty. It's going up and down so much. Let's just say it's three seventy. Uh, okay, I think it,
2: I think it'll be around four, and then Bitcoin will be exactly where it is now. <laughs>
0: Too modest.
2: No, nope. nothing's too happening. Modest. Nothing's happening. It's just a, a short time frame. I mean, I don't, I don't think much is going to happen with Bitcoin because I'm going to throw nothing's a whole bunch of things, things in
0: here, and I'm going to be Captain Speculation. All in right. Fact, if anyone in the audience wants to draw me as Captain Speculation, and I prefer spandex in my uniforms, um, they can do that. Here's what I'm going to say. With the looming rumor of interest rates going up in America, the Chinese stock market just being totally bananas, um, Greece getting access to their cash again and moving some of that into Bitcoin, gold continuously losing its value and Bitcoin cannibalizing some of that value.
1: Um, Don't forget about the 12-hour bug that prevented transactions. Quotations on bug. Like, that
0: shit wasn't on
1: purpose. But, but why that happened, Litecoin went through. Yeah. They had quicker transactions, and it solves that problem real oh. nice. Oh, I thought you were talking about the stock exchange. Talking no, that too. I mean, why that bug was happening more. That's why that 25% increase in Lite, Litecoin uh, buying and selling. <sighs> so... Here's my price predictions
0: with all of that factored in, because I am not an expert. (laughs) (laughs) I think Bitcoin goes to three twenty, and starts going sideways, and I think Litecoin goes to two point five percent of that. So, Corey, you do the math, because I don't want to.
2: Oh, I I don't do head
0: math. All right, so one percent,
2: like six something. Yeah. Six, seven? Between yeah.
0: Deer. Yep. Six, in between six and seven. If Litecoin gets back to eight, it's going to 11. But it's not going to get back to eight because the whales are in control right now. That's my bullish prediction. Dude, is there any like Moby Dick references when it comes to trading? There has to know. be.
2: I Never read Moby Dick. I only know the the uh, the, the casual references you get from pop culture. I don't even know those. <laughs> but
0: I do know it 's about a guy trying to hunt a whale because he
1: hates it Ahab. Yep. Well, I agree with Corey. I think Litecoin should be renamed to the pump and dump coin because i can't I can't take it Dude, the inflation going down. If I was a Litecoin uh-huh. investor, my heart would hurt. It's too much excitement. That's, a, that's, a, that's,
2: that's why it's you a, hold. It's just one of those things you, you have and forget about. A, that's why
0: a, you hold and just hold.
1: That's why you hold.
0: That's right. Um, All right. Um, new points. New points. Let's talk about yeah, something different.
1: I think that's it for this week. It is? Yeah. We've spoken for 30 minutes with a really long interview. That might be it. <laughs> we have to edit that out.
0: We can't tell people. No, we movie. don't. Okay. <laughs> we don't even edit. What are you talking about? I do edit sometimes. <laughs> I uh, leave the funny stuff in because it's too funny. Hold up. Like last week, what was it? That interview was dope. dope. Was oh, my dope God. Interview. I can't believe
2: I said dope. <laughs> I, I did laugh at that. My brain was off. I
1: don't know why I said that. Well. Uh, so, I, what did we learn this week?
0: Um, Afghanistan is ripe. For Bitcoin introduction
1: and education. As, as well as other countries in Central Asia. And uh, we'll continue to have guests. Next week we have Gonka from Zebpay. Yes, and we're gonna Sandeep Gonka. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about the uh you know how he's changing things in India. So Yep. So we let's just
0: cap this off. We started out in Zimbabwe, boom. Mm-hmm. Now we've moved to We went to Silicon Valley. Went which, to Silicon Valley, which is California. For people that do not know, you had the same. Um, then we now we're taking it to Afghanistan. Afghanistan, and then we're taking it to Singapore, and India, Singapore, India. Dude, we're like that little plane on Street Fighter Two.
2: <laughs> yes, we when, are.
0: When you go to the new stage, and yeah. it flies you there, but it's a prop. It's a prop plane, one propeller. I'm going to go
2: ahead and say that D's number one referencing is from Street Fighter Two. I, I was just about to say this that go to <laughs> reference. This go to <laughs> reference is going to be from Street Fighter Two.
0: Well, here's the thing: um, <laughs> when a game is that excellent and it consumes so much of your childhood, of course, it's, it's going to be your go to reference. If I'm in a sauna, where do I think I am? E Honda's stage.
2: I never said it was bad. I'm just pointing out the obvious.
0: Anytime I find myself in the factory, I feel like I need to be fighting Zangief. Anytime. Anyways, we're going to get off of that.
1: Uh, Actually, we're not. Let's play the outro music and lay some Street Fighter music in there.
2: (laughs) All right. That sounds good to me.
0: is the CEO of Central Globo Bank. <coughs> yes, is that true? <coughs> Bitcoin's grown how much? 30%? <coughs> oh no!